Okay, we're back to wrap up our Pony Island discussion. I'm joined by Ben as usual. How's it going? It's going all right. Good, good. Um, we uh, we made it to the end and escaped um, from wherever it is that we were. But I don't know that we actually attained victory. At least on my end, victory was with a question mark. And, and I definitely feel that the weight of that question mark. Um, how about for you? Are you feeling like you like got through and understand this game now? Um, I mean, like I've played it a couple times through, and as a result, there have been a couple of things that have been different on my end. Um, like even my interactions with with Lucifer and Hopeless Soul um, have taken on some fairly new dimensions. Um, but I also was poking through the discussion boards um, and have a sense of some of the stuff that I haven't seen yet. So um, I am working my way to it. Uh, but not quite a hundred percent finished. So I, I guess we'll talk about it provisionally, and then if I find out anything, you know, exciting and revelatory, then I can bring it up next week in at the beginning of our hex discussion. That seems good. Yeah, and and I'm I think that we'll continually kind of refer back to Pony Island as we go through the hex. It sounds like that uh, would be a good kind of practice um, based yep. on the little that I know about that game. Um, have you watched the trailer for the new one yet? The inscription. I trailer? did. I just watched it tonight, um, yeah. and it looks very creepy, um, <laughs> like even more than than Pony Island and the Hacks, which have their own sort of unique level of creepiness. But this one's just leaning into the horror elements, and, uh, which I dig. I'm down for. So, when it says that it's even less about ponies now, that sort of has a different meaning for me. Like we talked a little. I think in our first discussion on this game, like what the pony connection might be, but it, mm-hmm. um, it shifts quite a bit in this uh, final portion, especially like the final boss. Um, yes. It becomes clear that ponies have a distinct uh, one-to-one, you know, relationship to the souls that are stuck in the, the world of the game um, in, in this kind of poorly designed game, hell um, and who you are leading out uh you know, on this mass pony exodus. Um, so if this game is even less about ponies, uh, I, I guess it's even less like in touch with the innocent and good part of the soul or something like that. It, it's even more creepy. It's even more um, lost and, and in despair uh, seems to be the implication. There, so, Yeah, that, that would track um, because, you know, in, in the sense that like, Pony Island is, as much as there is a lot of darkness in it and the subtext is, if anything, even darker, um, it is, like, at the end of the day, a fairly optimistic game. Like, you do win. You you yes. conquer Lucifer and all of you and your ponies escape. Or, you know, whichever ones you that didn't die along the way. <laughs> um, but, um, like, the hex makes a marked departure from that optimism Hmm. um, as I'm sure we will discuss when we get through it but it is like it is just as dark and sort of metatextual as Pony Island was but its conclusions are less optimistic Hmm. Um, it is less winnable I guess is Uh what I'm trying to say so if that's the case then if inscription is you know yet another step away from ponies we're talking about something that would really brush up against like serious despair and darkness, both thematically and by way of its presentation. And it, it, it's okay. Um, we, we brought up last time paradise lost and, and the, mm-hmm. the Satan or Lucifer as presented in that as being 
in some ways sympathetic, even heroic uh, to some readers. Um, obviously, there's some controversy surrounding that and, and what the author's intent was and, and the kind of way that that's supposed to be read. But, um, but still, this time, as we're talking, now I'm starting to think of another massive work of literature, um, Infinite Jest, um, mm -hmm. which is about a kind of work of art which is so in, enthralling that the viewer cannot tear themselves away from it, right? It's, it's sort of the uh, conceit with that one. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, this is that kind of thing that, that um, Mullins seems to be working on with these projects of, um, you know, being trapped, being stuck within the entertainment, um, mm -hmm. being lost as a creator or as a player or both. And, and finally, this like new game, it looks like a kind of escape the room scenario, right? You're like literally like stuck in a room <laughs> playing this card mm -hmm. game. Um, so is there, yes, is there something of that, um, of that sort of suffocating, you know, claustrophobia kind of feeling that we're supposed to be may maybe starting to, to watch out for here, um, despite the fact that we do presumably escape at the end of this one? Yeah, I, I think it is rather present i mean like as much as as much as pony island is at the end of the day kind of an escape in its own right it is a sort of confined escape yeah um like obviously you know the the couple of hints that we've been getting from our interactions with baphomet the demon um are that we were a crusader um and we died at the you know walls of Jerusalem, and our name is Theodore, and so on and so forth. Um, but it, the the sort of suggestion of the game is that we, you know, are a historical figure who died in history and came back in history. Like this is not you know an unwritten future that lies ahead of us. Mm. Um, and that's to completely disregard the fact that we've spent basically ninety nine point nine percent of this game in this very confined little arcade um literally unable to turn away from the screen for most of this most of this adventure uh, like with only the vague hints of you know getting tickets and the occasional like throwing up of the arms is an indication that there's an outside world to interact with um so in that sense it certainly is you know claustrophobic and if inscription is another like, like escape the nightmare game scenario um, that would track very much with Pony Island. Like yeah. that setup seems very similar. So the um, yeah, the ending scene that I got anyway is a uh, is is a kind of awakening, um, mm -hmm. in what looks like a grassy area right outside of a castle wall. Yes. Um, and I guess I'm reading that as you know, yeah, being returned to life or to a kind of uh, heaven. That, that is the, the home that you set out from and, and are finally returned to um, in your own body in the real world, right? And then there's this like pony ghost that, that sort of flits across the screen um, right. to, to sort of wink at you or whatever. And then as the credits roll, uh, they're interrupted by Hopeless Soul popping in and mm -hmm. saying something like, you know, you made it out, good job, um, but I'm still stuck. You have to delete your copy of the, of the, of the code, of the file. Um, to free me and I didn't know what to make of that because I thought that you know I, I had straight like sort of the levels of um, mimesis within the game like and, and I had broken out of that level but um, apparently not uh, so yeah so can you can you help me make sense of what's happening at the ending and, and did you get a different ending or 
Is there a different yes. ending? <laughs> okay. Um, as far as the shot with the castle is concerned, I think that is consistent across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is Theodore's ending. Gotcha. Um, but then Hopeless Soul will talk to you about different things depending on what the scenario is. Um, so since you beat it for the first time, he probably thanked you. He asked you to delete your game, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the same thing with me the first time I played through. But if you go back again um, without all of the tickets, he actually gets kind of frustrated with you. He's like, well, you know, I asked you to delete the game and you literally just played through it again. So we don't have anything to talk about. And then he literally like shuts down your game. Like he'll (laughs) basically like quit for you. Um, But rumor has it, although I have not actually seen this, um, if you do get all of the tickets and make it to the end of the game and talk to Hopeless Soul, um, apparently there's a boss fight. Um, Like you fight him. Um, which is why I'm kind of keen to play through and investigate this. Like it, there's some uncertainty and there, there's certainly like, you know, the thing about following these, this possibility on a, the discussion boards is you only ever get like bits and pieces of what happened because everybody is not always on the same page. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm eager to sort of test that and see, see what underlies it. Um, but yeah, the scuttlebutt is that hopeless soul will attack you. And then there's like, even more weirdness afterwards Mm -hmm. um, that you may be trapped in the game even after you've supposedly beaten the game. Um, But Hopeless Soul gives his fair share of hints that all is not right with him. Um, Like we've remarked a couple times that Hopeless Soul refers to like, you've got to delete the core files to beat the game. Right. Um, So, you know, as much as, we've sort of been in this game world where we're, we're trying to break out of the game, escape the game, like crash the core files and destroy the game that Lucifer has been building for us. It seems like even that is just a part of like a small part of hopeless souls, greater game. Um, like the, the something much closer to what, Daniel Mullins, in fact, intended for us, like top to bottom, the entire program that you have running on your computer or, you know, whatever platform you're, you're running this on. Um, so, and that makes sense. Cause like, you know, we obviously go into this game expecting to beat the game and breaking the game is a part of beating the game in that sense, um, which is where things get very meta and off the rails. Um, but again, you kind of have this, like, not just the game that you're trying to break out of, but also the game that Hopeless Soul is playing with you inside the context of this greater game. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Hopeless Soul level of, of interaction seems to be with us, the player, uh, mm-hmm. is kind of how I'm taking that. Um, they're, they're sort of, yeah, our, our, our character wakes up, comes to, uh, revives, whatever it is, um, is free. And then Hopeless Soul is talking to us, the one playing the game. Um, yes. And yeah, uh, wants something more from us. Um, if so, if you do delete your game, th- does anyone has anyone tried that and recorded their experience on that? Yeah, I mean, I actually uninstalled it and then went back in to see if anything had changed, and nothing really did. Uh-huh. Uh, like. Uh, having beaten the game, you, you get the option of the act select in the opening menu, like where you start off with like new game and options oh, and credits. Okay. 
um, like in the, the bouncy little like happy version of the opening of the game right after the first title screen um, there's like an axe select that makes the dark noise like the boom yeah. Um, and then you can click on it and go to jump to any portion of the game that you want to replay. So like you can skip, you know, directly to the boss fights or you can skip directly to act three, however you want to do it. Um, and uninstalling the game and then reinstalling the game will just put you in exactly the same situation. The act select menu doesn't go away. Um, if you do want to wipe the slate clean, like just wipe it all out, it can be done, but it has to be done through the menu. Mm. Um, so like, it doesn't really like uninstalling the game does not actually have too much of an effect if only because steam saves your cloud save. So alas, hopeless soul is trapped in the steam cloud <laughs> in a manner of speaking. In, in uh, that last, in the last mm, core file boss fight against the demon Asmodeus, it starts to ping you with um, like messages from your steam friends. Yes. Uh, which is creepy and they're sort of blurry. Like you can't see them clearly. Uh, but they do seem to be saying like mean things to you, uh, <laughs> and um, and so that's you know clearly a distraction. But yeah, it does seem like um, hopeless souls, um, you know, level of of reality is akin to that of the um, the demons and Lucifer, right? The the, the developers and the, and the demons within the game, um, making me wonder again, like what hopeless soul is uh, and, and what their relationship is to these other uh, dark forces. Um, I was also really amused by the part where you kill Jesus over and over again. <laughs> yes. And he gets angry at you. It says you killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. I, that, that cracked me up. Like I laughed out loud at that. Part. Um, <laughs> I tried uh, to start, you know, not killing him. Uh, I tried to avoid killing him for as long yep. as possible, but because of the way that the, um, the butterfly, uh, sort of, you know, clone things work in that portion. It was it was really hard for me to avoid yeah. hitting one of them after a while. It so, can be done, but it's very very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can actually get a ticket for doing it. Like if you manage to get to the first it. level without killing Jesus, there's Dang a ticket it. in it for you. Um, so yeah, like th there are advantages, but it is really difficult. Like it's one of the greater challenges in the game. Um, I think there's also something cool that you get, like either an achievement or a ticket if you beat the the like Lucifer fight with a certain minimum or maximum number of pony deaths. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like if you keep it under 50 or if you keep it under 100 or something, then, you know, you, you get a bonus um, in some way. But like, again, it's it's sort of ancillary to the game's own accomplishments. Obviously, it doesn't affect whether you how many ponies die in the final battle does not affect you actually beating the game because there's so many souls that are trying to get free. Right. Um, right. I love that part. Um, I, so there's a lot of elements of the gameplay that, that really blew me away uh, in this portion of the game. Um, in some ways, nothing really new is introduced, um, mm -hmm. you know, with maybe some little wrinkles here and there. Um, but then again, sort of the way that it all comes together is, is really satisfying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe we should sort of back up and all right, so just kind of go chronologically through a little bit of this this third um, portion of the game here. Um, so, yeah, so you wake up uh, back in this kind of arcade. We, we talked a bit about it last time. Um, we're off in the corner. You said there's a, a helmet on the ground next to us. I didn't yes. catch that, but I'll take your word for it. Um, there's like a, a crane game next to you. Does that 
ever enter into any of the endings or achievements or anything? Not that I know of. Um, mm. Like I've never interacted with the crane game in any way besides like just seeing it there. Um, mm. So it, it's not like it's not interactable. It's not a huge deal. It's just, you know, that's what you would expect to see in an arcade, I suppose. Um, Like maybe if you cleverly took a screenshot, there would be an Easter egg to discover there, but you know, that's as, that's as much as it would be because you can't really interact with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was expecting that to be a thing at some point, but I'm okay if it's just sort of window dressing. Um, But okay. So then you sort of start playing this, this arcade again and it's different because it's got, nice colors and your um your new mascot is there to be the kind of tutorial figure um that talks to you uh his nickname is louie right Mm -hmm. Uh, the the little red devil um and you're playing um yeah like the version of pony island that you probably like expect from the the title screen all along right um the mechanics are all the same but uh all the assets all the all the graphics are different right it's all Mm -hmm bright and happy and you um you don't shoot lasers out of your mouth instead you're blowing like air and um they're, they're butterflies, butterflies away that are coming towards you. Yeah. you and i think doesn't louis tell you to like let the butterflies hit you um he wants you want them to to come in and 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 hug you and tickle you or something um, i don't I don't think he does. Like in the tutorial, he's like, blow them away so they won't tickle you. Um, mm. But I'm not sure if he ever, like, again, this could be one of the things that differs. Um, Louis and I have a slightly different relationship at this point in our history. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm probably conflating it with um, Flowey from Undertale. Oh, okay. He tells you, like, yep. the bullets are, are love and, like, to let right, people yeah. like, embrace you. Yeah. Okay. So. It's a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um,. But anyway, so so you you know you're really good at jumping and blowing away butterflies at this point. So he's really impressed, um, and the difficulty is is pretty you know low at first. And then you go into the puzzle time, right? And the puzzles are all the same too um, at first. But then pretty right. soon there start to be these little little wrinkles that are introduced. And I thought that a lot of it did have to do with the um, with the new graphics, the new kind of coat of paint on everything. Um, I thought that was like nicely integrated with the new kinds of challenges uh, that come in at this point. So yes, um, yeah. So I'm you also a, go ahead. Yeah, also a big fan of like the fake out that you get. Like Louis is obviously giving you the tutorial um, as you're playing through the game. Like this is how you jump, jump over the gates. Yeah. This is how you blow the butterflies away. Now blow the butterflies away. But then you get to the third one and there's obviously one of those like large things of gates, which at this point you're like hardwired to jump and fly over it. Right. Right. Um, you do like you have that power, but when you land, like Louis gets real quiet and the music stops and you're like, oh, crap, <laughs> he's on to me. Um, but then he's like, that's okay, and everything's fine. The music yeah. kicks up again, and like nothing is wrong, um, although obviously everything starts breaking down immediately after that. So, yeah. uh, But I love, the, I love the tense moment there. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like the fake out at the beginning of the horror movie. Like, you know the jump scare is coming, so they just kind of mess with you a couple times yes. um, before, like real scary stuff starts to happen and yeah and the um even the like the speed of the text i feel like the, the kind of detail that they put in the, the care they put into that 
um, it, it adjusts to sort of shift the tone a little bit from time to time, right? It goes at a kind of normal pace most of the time, but then other times it'll sort of slow down and just like, uh, yeah, just, just sort of put you in, in some suspense for a minute. Um, but there's, uh, there's a kind of a splitter thingy that's introduced in the puzzles um, and little gates. And, and in the, the kind of platforming portion, there are these, these glitches of butterflies that are introduced. Um, and I thought, I thought both of these worked um, kind of in interesting ways, right? Mm -hmm. the, the splitter um, requires a kind of um, like bolt of lightning. Uh, it's, it's like you're, you're breaking the game in some way. You're, you're, you're creating a ghost um, of, of yourself, right? To be in two places at once. Um, and something he says about that, right? It's like, it doesn't matter which one goes through, go, yes. goes home, right? Um, which I found pretty creepy. Um, yeah. As, yeah. As a mechanic, like it is unsettling to have like these clones of, of your butterfly cursor hanging around. Um, and obviously some of them aren't going to make it home. Yeah. Um, and then you get into all those questions of identity, like which one is the real one? Is there a real one? You know, like it, it's all just right around the corners there. Um, but this is apparently like a programming technique that does have um, like precursors. Um, like most of the, most of the little tools that we've seen here and there, like the little jump uh, portal things, mm -hmm. those are basically just loops and go-to statements in the old machine code practices. Um, fork was actually a thing that you could do in some of the old Unix languages. And it was a very powerful tool. Um, because you could run, you know, multiple sort of like lines of code simultaneously. Um, but it was also a dangerous one. It was prone to breaking or overflow or other problems like that. Um, so, you know, you are sort of being guided along some basic programming techniques here. But, you know, the, the deeper you go into this game, the darker those um, programming techniques tend to be and the more, you know, potentially problematic and difficult to sort of like keep track of what's going on um, they tend to be but but yeah there is precedent there and and then you see a sort of reference to it in the fact that like it is accompanied by a bolt of lightning like forked lightning ah yes um so yeah like th there is some deliberate like actual programming uh chops behind that so two weird sort of connections it makes me think of um you mentioned the forked lightning. I, I remember that being a magic card in, in Magic: The Gathering. Yes. Uh, one of the one of the more powerful like um, sorcery abilities I feel like was to split damage with forked lightning. Um, there, I, I think I, I could be wrong, or was it just the fork? What, what was it called? Something like that. Yeah. The the original the original one was called fork and I want to say that it allowed you to like duplicate whatever spell that you just cast and yeah. cast on two people instead. Yeah. Um, but there have been many iterations of that in the history of magic. Like there was a forked lightning card at one point that was like, you do, you know, one damage to three creatures or something along those lines. Um, and that is a fairly popular ability now, like being able to split and manipulate exactly how many targets you have in addition to um, yeah. the amount of damage that you're dealing. Yeah, but but the other thing, I mean, the the sort of effect of having two ponies, right, or, or two mm -hmm. characters rather on screen, two keys uh, in the in the the kind of stripped down version that we'd seen before, um, that that sort of looks forward to the the multiplicity of souls 
Um, yes. And I think the color scheme, the ghostly kind of aspect really, I don't know, foreshadows that, like makes you sort of start thinking along those lines. And yeah, there is an identity thing there. And it's like, um, you know, is it Averroes or Avicenna? One of them uh, sort of elaborates on Aristotle, right? And says like, you know, there isn't really like an individual soul. Like we're, we're not concerned with that at this stage of, of the metaphysical, like, um, you know, conjuries of all being like we're we don't have we don't have identity in that way in our in our inmost essence can can you mm -hmm. can you spell that out a little better because i forget who it is who, who who does that move yeah i'm not sure uh about the the islamic philosophers either avicenna or Averroes. like i'm more familiar with aquinas on the one end and aristotle on the other but okay. there is you know in aristotelian philosophy the soul is like remarkably vague um like scholars have been sort of trying to parse exactly what's going on in aristotle's de anima part three for for a long while um like i, I remember in, at boston college i took an entire class in that one book um and it was just like piles of commentaries and when we got to that one section where like aristotle i mean the theory is that like we only ever have notes of one of Aristotle's students, not yeah. Aristotle wrote himself. Um, and I've always sort of like, sort of tongue in cheek thought that that was the day that the student missed class and therefore he got one of his friends to take notes for him. <laughs> um, and it was just like this shoddy representation of whatever Aristotle was actually saying. Um, but the key to the soul for Aristotle, like beyond the ambiguous, what is the human portion of the soul part um, is that identity is sort of dependent on where in the hierarchy you are. Um, so like as humans, we have the vegetative soul, the soul that like causes us to eat and to grow that also we share with vegetables. We have the animal soul, the soul that like animates us, that causes us to move around the way that animals do. Um, causes us to sense and sort of be aware of our surroundings. But we also have the rational soul. Um, whatever that means. And again, that's where like everything gets very confusing and ambiguous um, thanks to that one really confusing chapter. Um, but as a result, like it's fairly logical for the Islamic philosophers to point out, you know, um, our identity isn't just ours. Mm -hmm. What makes us human is what our soul does. Um, but this is a stark difference from how we usually, like at least in contemporary thinking, um, think of the soul. Like we think of the soul as what makes you specifically you. Exactly. Um, like my soul makes me kind or my soul leads me to wisdom or my soul is, you know, uncharitable or whatever the case may be. Um, but really for Aristotle, it was always about like, this is, this is the specific difference that separates you from the genus um, rather than, you know, the specific difference that separates you as an individual. Gotcha. Um, you share the same soul as every other um, human. Um, yes. Yes. If there is a difference, it's located somewhere else, probably in the matter, because that's usually how it works for Aristotle. Like matter instantiated is what separates the specific individual from the, the genus at large form is the same matter is actually individualized or individuating mm -hmm. um, if i remember it's been a while <laughs> but that that maps really nicely onto the difference in graphics that's just masking a, a complete you know unity underneath right of, of actual mm -hmm. gameplay 
right? Um, so it's like the, the mechanics are the form or the soul and the graphics, the imagery, um, the matter that we're kind of dealing with. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same game that we've been playing yeah. since we started it out. Like it's the same jumping over gates and so on and so forth. Um, whatever graphics they put on top of it, whatever, you know, hub world they put uniting these levels, whatever, you know, new form they take, uh, like in the text adventure or the 3D adventure or swapping devils for ponies and vice versa. Like at the end of the day, it's the same game, um, the same soul underlying whatever the individuating principle, the matter might be. And so... I want to ask that question then what what is what characterizes you know the soul of of this game or perhaps you know any video game um because it seems like the point the game is making is that it's not the running and gunning you know the jumping the the shooting enemies um it might not even be the puzzle segments because those two can get a kind of new new coat of paint mm -hmm. um and you can always introduce sort of new wrinkles in them um it seems fair that it's fair to say it's not definitely not the adventure mode, right? Cause adventure mode gets flipped upside down and um, little snowmen get strewn around in it. Right. And, and right. that's fine. So, so what is it? Can we, can we ask, can we sort of put our finger on what characterizes the soul of the game? Like what makes Pony Island, Pony Island, I guess. Um, yeah. Or what makes, you know, I guess like, again, since we're talking about a game within a game here, like, because sort of um, the the underlying bones of the game, the jumping over the gates, whether you're typing jump into a text box or, you know, just clicking the button as you're side-scrolling, like, um, at the end of the day, obviously that is all the same. And there is a suggestion, like, a fairly consistent suggestion that it's not a great game. Like, um, the joke is consistently that Lucifer is bad at this, that he's scrambling to, you know, polish it up and make it work. Um, and he can barely even pull that off. Like, um, here in Act 3, we see the most polished version of Pony Island to date, like, with all the fancy colors and Louis the mascot. Like, this is a game ready to ship. Um, this is, has all of the qualities that you would expect of, like, a finished product, but then it glitches out. Like, there's even that line about, you know, you already got through all the good levels. Um, like, why did you blow through them so quickly? Like, <laughs> that, that was all we had. Um, and that's, of course, when, like, the trees are starting to glitch out. And yes. you know, your, your wind is turning back into a laser. And, like, the butterflies are getting swapped out with the demon heads again. Like, um, I think the first indication that you have is, is the, the flagpole has changed back to like the binary black and white flagpole of earlier iterations of the game. And it doesn't even activate when you run past it. Louis like, uh, let's just ignore that and move on to a puzzle break. Like, um, but I think there's also this sort of suggestion that like, as much as, you know, the bones of the game are all the same. Um, and I think that that is emphasized here. What, sort of shares what what lucifer and daniel mullins have in common is that they keep trying to hide how bad the game is there we go by recontextualizing it yeah 
Um, like, yes, it's a bad game, but how about we add microtransactions and then it's good? Or let's, you know, add all that like positive reinforcement at the end. Way to go. You leveled up. Like, that's so awesome. Now insert your soul to continue. Um, or let's add a hub world or let's add fancy colors. Like at the end of the day, it's, the, it's still the same bad game. Yeah. Um, and from Daniel Mullins's perspective, it's the same bad game. Like as much as they have contextualized it, put it into this really interesting context of, you know, you're breaking out of this bad game. You were trying to like overcome this bad game, hack this bad game, like right. turn it against itself it doesn't stop it from being the same bad game. Like um, as much as, you know, Daniel Mullins, like Daniel Mullins is doing the same thing as Lucifer. He's putting a bunch of different coats of paint on the same rudimentary game loop. Yeah. Um, and as like, on, while where Lucifer fails, Mullins, he hopes, succeeds. Yeah. Um, like Lucifer keeps failing to distract you from the fact that you're just jumping gates and shooting demon heads Mullins does distract you because you see the purpose to which it's directed. Mm -hmm. um, you're playing the game to be rid of the game. Exactly. So to exactly. speak. Um, so, you know, there, there's an interesting dynamic there, but it has that same sort of like self-deprecating quality that we've seen so often here. Um, like Mullins isn't pretending that he's got some brilliant game. Instead, what he's got is, you know, some rudimentary tools that he can use in fancy ways. I, I love that. And, and I think I'd take it just a step further, right? I think that's what characterizes Pony Island and what makes it, you know, it's particular special shiny soul. But, uh, in, in, in the sort of, you know, contemporary sense of what the soul is, right? The, the personality, the unique. Yes. Well, you know, but then in the old sense, in the Aristotelian uh, sense of the soul being this pervading rational, f you know, sort of form, um, the, 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 the way that I see that happening here is, yeah, by, by looking at the kind of insecurities uh, that characterize all games, the imperfections, yeah. right? The shortcomings and limitations and and that is you know sort of beautiful um because that is again what makes each game what it is um and what makes all games games uh, ultimately they, they are circumscribed and mm -hmm. they have things that you're allowed to do and things you can't do right um yeah the, the great you know the great insight of pony island is to really put that in your face uh yes and to have these kind of puzzle sections which imitate the activity of hacking and um, having this character, right? The hopeless soul character within the game who is, um, you know, somehow transcending the, the, the trappings of, of the, um, the game conceit or something like that. Uh, or even Asmodeus, as you pointed mm -hmm. out, like Asmodeus is all about playing with your expectations and, you know, like playing those mind tricks on you. Um, and he's got some great ones. Like, really, that really fight good. is one of the best, yeah. like, in, in the whole game, much less, you know, gaming altogether. Like, some of the tricks that he pulls between, you know, the obvious ones, like, you know, he's got, he changes the text right underneath his face. And you've got to, re you know, remember this or change it to 777 instead of 666. Um, the, the trick with like the steam friend messaging you, like you go to the discussion boards and you can still people still see people freaking out about it. Like yeah. somebody contacted me halfway through my fight with his Asmodeus and I was trying to ignore them. Like they don't realize that it's part of the game initially. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, that last one where he crashes the game. Yes. And then he winks at you. Like, yeah. it's just so good. Like, the wink is so perfect. Um, and it's something you've never seen before until at the very end when the pony winks at you as well, which, again, <laughs> should make us worry and wonder, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is the game, in fact, over? Um, but I also love how, you know, of all of the various villainous figures we've run into, like we are literally in hell being antagonized by Satan, Lucifer, who has apparently created these other demons to protect his files, Azazel, um, Beelzebub, and Buer, if you're looking for him. Um, and then you meet Asmodeus and he's almost friendly. Yeah. yeah. Like he's affable like he'll absolutely wreck you if you if you miss like he does the whole jumping at the screen and like with his <laughs> fist so out scary. um which is frightening yeah. but when you beat him he's like you know i think death is the next great adventure by all means take me out and that's just so interesting mm-hmm. like that's a profound insight at the best of times <laughs> like very few have been able to get that sort of like composure in the face of destruction um but you get the sense that asmodeus is this this infinite being that has just been in here forever he is as trapped as you are death is the next great adventure for him like it's it's a change change is always good um but i i was also struck like as i was playing through getting all my tickets trying to set up for you know fighting hopeless soul if that's in fact a thing you can do um one of the things you can run across is in fact boor um, the fourth guardian um, who doesn't oh, have a core file to protect right. anymore. Did you, did you run into him? No. <laughs> What's yeah. his name? Sorry. Boar? Buer, B-U-E-R. He's another Buer. one of like the famous demon names. Oh, okay. uh, he's usually described as like a wheel. Um, he's a favorite of the Castlevania franchise. Like the wheel that comes running at you is always Buer. Ah, okay. um, but you, with, when you're running across the uh, adventure mode and you get sort of like the free walking ability when it's upside down, mm-hmm. uh, if you walk past the castle, like further down the screen, you run into Buer. Like he just looks like another one of those demon programs. Um, and he talks to you. He's like, so I used to be a guardian, but there were only three core files and Asmodeus kicked me out of my position. Um, so if you should run into him, tell him my name and he'll know that vengeance is approaching. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, and then he gives you a ticket because, you know, that's your reward for discovering weird stuff in this game. Um, but if I remember right, because I definitely did it to Asmodeus at one point and Asmodeus was like, Buer, that guy, that guy was weak. Like he, he posed no threat to me. <laughs> um, but it's interesting too that like there is this dynamism between the characters here. Like there is a sense of history underlying this game, um, which makes sense because you know it's been here since time immemorial. <laughs> um, but you know I, I really like, especially because it is Asmodeus and he isn't supposed to be there. Like the subtext of the game, as friendly as he is to you, it's kind of like he he's the outsider for a few reasons. Um, Lucifer did not intend for him to be the guardian. Um, he just took it. Yeah. Well, he's he's very confident in a way that I think is sort of the opposite of Lucifer, right? Like, yes. Um, that's what struck me about about the Asmodeus battle is how self possessed he is. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, there's the sudden turn when 
you've bested him, you know, he's tried all his tricks. Um, he sort of takes it in, in very, yeah, good grace. He, he's got a kind of Hamlet vibe to him, you know, this, this sense of, um, yeah, just being this journey that he's ready to, to, to go on now. Um, and it, do, it does feel like there's more maybe to his story. Um, I didn't run into the, the other demon out there in, in the wastes of adventure mode, unfortunately. Um, so wait, so how many, how many tickets are you still missing? What do you, what do you still need to do? At this point, I think there's only two and they're both in act three. Um, like I, I had gotten them all, um, in prior playthroughs. So I'm now just sort of like tracking them all down again. Okay. Um, but there are a couple of, in really weird spots. Um, like in that section of adventure mode when he's like recreating the game and he invents the, the mascot for the first time. Um, like you see Louie, um, before Louie actually gets, uh, his sort of presence in act three. Um, you can actually like veer off the snowman path and you end up on Cinnabar Island. (laughs) Um, yeah, like there's that icon in one of the the guest accounts or something that that's the missing no from the original Pokemon Blue oh and Red. They gosh. actually recreate like the the grass and there's like a bunch of blocks set aside that say gym on them and if you run up and down the coast, then a missing no pops out and gives you a ticket and an achievement. <laughs> um like it, it's just a silly reference sort of thing, but you know, there's, there's more to it than that. Like this game revels in the spaces that you weren't supposed to explore the glitches, um, the missing no from Cinnabar Island or I am error as the password to, um, you know, the, the corrupted account when you're going through the guest accounts. Um, like there's a celebration of broken games yes. um, in this game. Like as much as Lucifer is a bad programmer and I am quick to call him out on that, um, bad games are frequently more fun to play. Yes. Um, like broken glitchy titles have their own place in the lexicon at this point. Like heck, you know, you they, they built Goat Simulator like 10 years ago as basically just a broken game to play because it's broken. Like it's all physics and glitches and giant mess. And, you know, people upload their videos of their goat getting stuck in a wall or like flying off the edge of the universe or whatever. Like that's the goal. Um, that's why you play. Have um, you heard that called emergent gameplay? Have, have, you, have you heard that term? Yes. Okay. Um, it's frequently referencing like the space that a game space will define. But again, when you like kick open the rules of your game, that makes it even more emergent. Like it's not intended perhaps, but it remains engaging, um, interesting and emergent. Um, so like you have the sort of dedicated emergent gameplay on the one hand, like you place a trip mine, next to an alarm in deus ex and then you like show yourself to a guard the guard runs the alarm and he blows himself up like that's one form of emergent gameplay that's like within the rules of the world right then you have like people who do ocarina of time speed runs who like bomb chew themselves onto a ledge they're not supposed to reach (laughs) and do the shadow temple before they do the forest temple like that's a different kind of emergent yeah yeah you're right you're right um and that you know it's both things are awesome like they're cool in different ways um and mullins is definitely tapping into both although you know he's sort of conflating them like the errors are written into the code um the the game is about breaking the game the the references then 
um, the references that are sort of obvious to me are, are to the adventure of Link with I am error. And then you mentioned the Pokemon one. I, I didn't find that one, of course. Yeah. Um, I still think the snowman is probably for star tropics, or at least I want to believe that. Um, but it's got, it's gotta be for something. I don't know. Are, are there, okay. We mentioned, um, there's the board game Catan, right? There's the mm -hmm. little Catan moment there. Um, are there others? I mean, the, um, the flagpoles at the end are very Mario Brothers, yep. like the original Mario Brothers has those, but they function in that game. Don't they, like, if you hit the flagpole higher, doesn't something happen? Um, yeah, I think it's, like, most of the Mario games, I don't know if it goes all the way back to the first one. I think it does. But, like, if you reach the highest point in the flagpole, you get, like, an extra life yeah. um, in addition to your bonus points. But they don't do that in Pony Island. Like, I always jump at the end just because I right. you know, have it at this point. And that's something that's so strange. There's no, there's actually no consequences to losing mm -hmm. lives, it seems like. Yes. Um, unless it's hidden somewhere until the very final boss, which it keeps yeah, track. Yeah, when they start counting. Yeah, yeah. And then it's sort of like you want to read that back into the rest of the game. Like every time you died as a pony, that was a soul that's like forever lost or something. Well, like you pointed out with the forking butterflies and our sort of understanding of the soul as being, you know, the, the defining characteristic of a, of a species, hmm. there's certainly a suggestion here that like every time you've died and every time you've lived are all part of the same adventures of Theodore. Um, take it a step further and you end up seeing all of the souls that you're rescuing at the end of the game as being just iterations of the same player. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and you see like hints of that throughout, like um, in one of the, the sort of documents on, on the desktop um, back at the first act, like there's a help.txt file. And instead of helping you, it's literally somebody writing like, help me, I'm trapped. You Like I've been here for a thousand years. I'm at level like 70,000, like, please get me out. Um, <laughs> and you know, you kind of get the sense that if you die in this game, you get stuck, you get trapped. Um, and you know, if you're still playing as Theodore after dying multiple times, um, presumably Theodore may have forked at some yeah, point. Yeah. Well, are there other specific game references you can think of or that you ran across? Um, there's the Pony Galaxy game, the little side-scrolling shoot-em-up uh, with mm. the sort of like devil heads coming at you. Um, like, I I'm not entirely sure what it's referencing more than just the genre of shmups across the board. Yeah. Um, but like... If so, it's kind of weird because it's less glitchy as a consequence. Um, I do like, obviously, where they do the Pony 3D version um, <laughs> and the text adventure version, like, obviously, they're sort of poking into other genres there. Um, yes. I'm especially fond of the text adventure where, like, you find the flagpole and then you break your neck on it. <laughs> like, this was right. not supposed to be the challenging part, <laughs> um, but that's what kills you every time. Um, but yeah, like there, there's certainly a reference there, but sort of to gaming's history overall, rather than you know any specific individual game. Yeah. Um, but the one. Hmm? Yeah, that seems right. No, go ahead. The the one thing I did pick up on, especially this time around, um, and purely by coincidence, um, I've been reading Umberto Eco's Foucault's Pendulum. 
Um, sure. <laughs> yep. At the same time as I was playing this game, and a lot of the reference there is to the Knights Templar um, and their fall from grace, and then subsequent inclusion in various conspiracy conspiracy theories. Um, but, like you will notice throughout the course of Pony Island, there are numerous conspiracy theory paraphernalia hidden around the margins, like the the eye of the Illuminati um, right. and the Ankh. Yeah. Um, yeah, turns out the Templar were accused of worshiping a demon. Um, that was how their their like order was disbanded. And guess which demon they were worshiping. Uh, I don't know. There's so many to pick from. <laughs> uh, was it Asmodeus? It was not, but it is one of the ones from our game. Uh, it was Baphomet. Oh, I missed him this time. Is he in the third act somewhere? He is if you have successfully done like the first and second acts, if you've seen him. I forget where exactly he shows up, but I know he's there somewhere. Um, like I've got to go back and do it, but the idea that Baphomet is the one helping you at every stage of the way, he is the one who gives you answers, who provides you with secret knowledge. Um, Theodore turns out he was one of like the, the governors who inherited land through the crusades. Um, there, he refers to a specific like historical character who lived in the 14th century if memory serves, um, 14th or 13th. Um, and his death before the walls of Jerusalem was well documented. Um, but dig even deeper, um, there are hints throughout the game that Theodore lived twice, um, that his return to the world after successfully escaping from Pony Island was centuries after his original supposed demise. And there is another Theodore who appears in the 18th century who disbands the Templars once and for all. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think Mr. Mullins has done a little bit more research. Um, and not all of the, the references are to video games. Yeah. Um, he's doing a little bit of occult science in his own right, or at least occult history. Um, so, so yeah, there, there's several different levels that this game is operating on there. In that sense, the harrowing of hell that takes place at the end of the game could be read as a breaking out of a conspiracy theory mindset or, or a, a, a being stuck in a cult of, of that sort. Um, it could be read as, you know, bringing to light the secrets of the occult or, or the sort of hermetic knowledge, right? Um, but but there isn't really much of a payoff, at least in the in the early completion runs, the the ones that don't that aren't complete, right? That that aren't yes. actually getting it. So I I really do hope that there's a bit more uh, to the ending when when you've defeated Hopeless Soul, um, that that some more of this is uh, is brought to light. Well, there is one other detail I've picked up from from scanning the the threads in the forums, but this one involves some fairly heavy duty game breaking. Um, apparently, uh, like some people were digging through um, the the game's actual files, like the stuff that gets installed on your computer when you install Pony Island, um, and discovered that um, 
like there were some audio files that were hanging around that didn't make any sense like audio files that were not included in the original like you play through the game and you don't hear them uh -huh. um and a couple of people started tinkering around and found this registry entry that apparently said do not change from one and of course you know gamers being gamers they immediately changed it to every possible value besides one as well as one um and discovered that un in certain values um it causes lucifer to talk to you um like at one point he bemoans uh the like he's asking his father if he is pleased with his activity at one point like he's he's begging his father for attention um, and I also noticed in one of the, I think it's in the third act when you play Devil Island, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if you run the credits during Devil Island, it's a message from Lucifer um, saying, you know, he just wants people to appreciate his game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He wouldn't necessarily need people's souls if they just told him that they liked his game. <laughs> um, but and you know, again, it sort of taps into that like self-conscious creator trying to make something that is appreciated, um, but in the process has created something that is actually horrible and, and an entrapment of some kind. Yeah. Um, but the gamers who were who were messing with that registry file found one more audio file um, that apparently is Lucifer. Um, talking to the player, talking to Theodore, and saying something along the lines of, sometimes I use different voices. And the different voices is in the voice of Hopeless Soul. Of course, of course. So Lucifer and Hopeless Soul might very well be the same person, the same character. Uh -huh. um, another skin, another forking path. Exactly. Yeah. As well as, you know, the idea that Hopeless Soul is also running a game. Like, if we conflate Hopeless Soul with Lucifer, then Lucifer has made a successful game. And the bad game is, again, just set dressing for it. Yes. Um, you are intended to break out. Like, that is how you win. Um, and if, you know, if in fact you like the game, then it's totally worth losing all the souls in the process, um, if that's in fact what's happening. The counter of, of um, how many ponies are lost um, made me definitely like overconfident. So just going back to this like insecurity, confidence kind of dynamic, like I got pretty far, you know, it was like 40% or something as I hadn't lost any ponies yet. I'm like, oh, this is pretty right, good. Yeah. Doing great. And then, <laughs> and then Lucifer flies in, right? All like yes. night on bald mountain style uh, from Fantasia, right? And like starts yes. um, shooting stalactites at you and, um, and jumping and in lasers. the background. Yeah. And, and killing ponies left and right and i'm like oh gee i yeah i spoke too soon you know so it's like i think i think yeah there there is some element of um not not only wanting the players approbation and you know their um that kind of contact uh with the one with the audience right but also mm -hmm. this this real kind of uh challenge and this like um yeah, conflict kind of relationship being set up there. Like to be a worthy opponent um, mm -hmm. is is part of what the programmer slash uh, boss is looking for, I, I think. Um, and, you know, as the player too, right? You, you're looking for a challenge. You're looking for a, uh, 
a, a new kind of experience, a new spin on mm -hmm. the old um, kind of mechanics and everything. So, yeah. And I think, you know, like that speaks to the experience of the indie game developer across the board. Like um, as much as, you know, you play those big fancy $60 AAA games with all the fancy graphics and like the fancy world building and these involved mechanics and all this complex like architecture behind the game. Um, and indie dev does not have all those tools. They're doing the best they can with what little they have. And that means cutting a lot of corners, but also, you know, using the tools that they have in the best way they possibly can. Right. Um, and, you know, like we were saying about the soul, like if the soul of the game is this basic jumping and shooting puzzle, you know, something that's been around since, you know, Mario and Mega Man, yeah. like the key is how do you present it? Um, how do you distinguish yourself from the pack? Well, you take the bare bones that everybody knows, you put a new coat of paint on it, and if all goes well, it picks up and everybody plays it. Yeah. Um, and to some degree, that was successful. Like, Pony Island was definitely a commercial success. Like, considering yeah. the fact that it started its life as, you know, a game jam, you know, trial, like, one level long it's evolved dramatically and has become really impressive and really well known and appreciated, at least among, you know, certain circles. I, um, I think, I think there's some interesting components to the success there that we should also bring up here um, to, to kind of look at the broader context uh, for a minute, like stepping outside the game, the, it, it, it exists in this interesting world. Yeah. This kind of um, game jam space, the indie space, obviously, um, it's also a, I want to say, um, kind of a darling of like YouTubers, right? Yes. That part of why it caught on was like all these very popular YouTubers were uh, streaming it and their reactions are of course like most of why people watch them and, and they're right. just like over, over, the, over the moon with this um, surprising like kind of experience that they're getting um, and, and unexpected, right? Um, and... And I think also the uh, the horror sort of genre and and stuff, um, especially with respect to like conspiracies and religious um, iconography and, and whatnot. Um, I think that probably plays into this as well as part of the recipe for you know why this was such a breakout hit uh, and and sort of like it just hit the sweet spot really. Um, really uh, did. Um, um, like. Speaking to its history, I know one of the major contributing factors to its success was um, was actually one of the YouTubers I follow, Jim Sterling of the Jimquisition, um, who has the same sort of anarchic sense of humor and like sort of irreverence about him. Um, he picked it up like a week or two after it was released and was singing its praises to the roof and then ended up like sticking it on one of his game of the year lists at the uh -huh. end of the year. Um, and the plug, both at the beginning of Sterling's acknowledgement of him and then again as one of his Game of the Year games, really got a lot of attention to it. Like Sterling had, at the time, probably close to like 60,000, 70,000 followers. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a big hit for, for Mullins. Like you can even see, you know, people still to this day, like in the reviews and stuff, saying how Jim Sterling is what put him onto it. Um, for me, I was a true hipster. I bought it within the first week, but that's because before I'm it was weird. cool. Yeah, All right. yeah. <laughs> but there was also, I think, wasn't PewDiePie the sort of the infamous 
uh, YouTuber PewDiePie was also one of the ones who streamed it, I think. Um, okay. He, That's like, entirely like, possible. And you know, PewDiePie, has millions. You know, yeah, millions. he's got a ton of followers. Like, he makes Sterling look like small potatoes. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and I don't know, I mean, you obviously you can't, like, control who plays your game. But, again, I think this is part of the insecurity of the developer. It's an mm -hmm. element there of, like, worrying about, who is playing it and, and what they're taking from the game, um, you know, what they're reading into it and, and what they're missing, right? Um, and so for somebody like, like that, you know, there's an element of selling yourself, selling out, right? If you're mm -hmm. too popular, that's bad too. You, you've sold yeah. out, you've become uncool. <laughs> you've become square. Yeah, you're not selling Minecraft to Microsoft. Exactly, like. exactly. And so there's, there's so many ways in which this can go terribly, terribly wrong, right? And I'm mm -hmm. so glad that it was not paralyzing, but actually became sort of fuel for the creative um, uh, process, it seems. And, and, you know, there's a sense of humor there that I think is, is its saving grace, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. Um, anything else before we, uh, we wrap? Pony Island and and move into the hex for next time. I think that's as much as I've dug up. Although, okay. um, you know, again, I'll I'll be taking another stab at it in the next few days to see if I can actually track down what's going on with Hopeless Soul and maybe find some of those audio files. Yeah, for um, sure. If I'm feeling especially brazen, then yeah, we'll we'll certainly feel free to return to this as we go forward. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I'll, I'll probably just end up cheating and finding out where all the tickets are and not just like yeah, no shame in it yeah. <laughs> i that's yeah i think i think there's a venerable tradition of um you know players guides and 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 that sort of thing as well now yeah. nowadays like game facts or whatever it is um yep but, yeah. steam so, has well, has quite the library at this point and they they have actually started really supporting the community developers like the the game, the faq writers and the the various community members who are you know taking screenshots and participating on the discussion boards like it, it's part of the community like um especially when you're getting into the the deep lore the you know messing around in your registry and stuff yes i, I have no shame in relying on what i've found online um as much as what i've found in game i want to say that when i've got all the tickets initially i did it under on my own steam but i I'm not a hundred percent confident that was the case. That was several years ago at this point. Um, what would that even mean? It really, right? It's like, that's the thing that that's, it's all the hive mind at this point. Um, yeah. But well, okay. So I think I'm going to hold out. My personal belief is in a, in, is in an individual aspect, at least of the soul. Um, mm -hmm. I, I trust that you're along the same lines, whatever your philosophical quandaries might be on the matter. Um, and yeah, at that point, it's just nomenclature. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna try my best to fit, to find things on my own, but I will I will capitulate and um and look online eventually. I'm sure. So, well, thanks again. Uh, I look forward to starting up the hex. Um, sounds like my cat is hacking up a hairball, so I better go check on her. Um, and very good. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll see you next time. Take it easy. Yep. You too, sir. Yeah.